0: Up until recently we american christians have had a fairly safe existence in this country but our culture or at least those that are screaming the loudest have become increasingly hostile to god's truths and the people that believe him so i've been challenged do i truly believe that jesus is the only way to heaven and that all who don't accept his gift of forgiveness are eternally lost and if so why would i be hesitant to share this truth with everyone what are the risks involved in sharing my testimony. Fear of what others would think, marginalization, social isolation, condemnation, vulnerability, and in some cases physical harm. But if I really believe God, then I have to accept the risk for the sake of his kingdom and his will. I believe that God is beginning to wake up his church and increase our boldness in sharing his good news. It is our time to speak the truth and love and help people find the cornerstone for their lives. Because the world is caving in around us, the ever-changing truths that provide no foundation for living and no answer for death. Fear abounds without faith, hope, and love that is rooted in Christ Jesus. I've been contemplating Revelations 12:11 and really what it means, especially the part about and they loved not their lives unto death. At one point or another in our Christian walk, we've all heard the scripture, Romans twelve eleven. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Did you catch that? The scripture says the word of our testimony helps us to overcome. So when we can hear and share other testimonies, it helps us to overcome our struggles. It helps us to overcome the day of adversity. It helps us to overcome our enemy. Hello, my dear sisters in Christ. Welcome to the Call to be Free Academy podcast. This is your host, April Amry. Today we're welcoming a special guest, a devoted woman of God, my dear friend and sister, Lisa Miller. Lisa, would you be willing to share with us today what God has put on your heart? I've spent a lot of time studying Esther lately. I've been called to do that. I actually started a study with a group of women from my church going through the Beth Moore study of Esther. One thing that's resonated, and I've heard a lot <laughs> this last couple of years, at least since COVID, people are questioning. People are being misled people Mm -hmm. are being isolated and and they're getting desperate and lonely right Um, overdoses have increased substantially right people i mean just out of the isolation it's caused a lot more breaking (laughs) than maybe than maybe we look at before yeah and so i thought you know To keep silent at this time when I've been given a testimony, I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and I've come out the other side. And I want to offer that hope because I believe that's where the Romans 828 comes in, that God works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's, that's only if we let him. Right. If we choose not to live in bitterness and we choose to move forward. Right. And we right. choose to use our experiences to grow and to help other people. Right. God's will on this earth isn't accomplished unless we, unless we agree with it and move with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so what better way to redeem a really bad situation than to use it to speak into people's lives and maybe stop them from making the same choice. Right. Or those that have experienced the same situation comfort each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the power of our testimony. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So not only have I been thinking about the Esther verse, where it says, if you keep silent at such a time as this (laughs) relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? There you go. Who knows (laughs) whether you have not come. And it says to the kingdom for such a time as this. But when you read through the scriptures about what we're called as his church. Right. We we are called his kingdom. and We are his priests. And so we are that royalty. And we have been put in this time. And for a reason. And if we don't use the kind of messed up gift, <laughs> right. I, I guess I've, I've started to see that is how the verse um, talks about the Bible talks about carry, you know, carry your pick up your cross and carry Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. thought about your cross being those things, those painful true. things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you carry that cross and you carry it and follow Jesus with your eyes on Him, it draws other people and mm-hmm. it gives them cope and it draws them to Jesus. Yes. So, yeah. Just today, you know, and I was listening honestly to your, your 25th podcast where we you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> the disciples being in the sea. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that they're rowing and rowing and rowing and toiling and And Jesus sees them and he could save them at any time right but they had to persevere Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in order to see his real glory I mean the scriptures say that he just got done feeding the 5,000 with a the small amount, you know, the bread right. and the fish. Right. And they, they didn't even see that. Yeah, them. they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their hearts were hardened, mm-hmm. verse 52. So Jesus, yeah. so he knew that. And yeah. so he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to show you that I'm way bigger than you're giving me credit for. <laughs> like, right, <laughs> like, right, always. Like I'm over, you know, creation. Right. And it. I think it took that trial for them to actually start to begin to realize he was who he said he was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe that's our trials too well it says that they were amazed and that they said that he surely is the christ you know and so it, it is i think we we so often look at things that happen in our life and we forget the miracles from before because the pain overtakes us or the the wind that's contrary to us becomes too hard of a burden or we take our eyes off the Lord and look at our circumstances and we stop thinking about all the amazing things he's already done and so he does you know he has to step in and sometimes say hey do you know who I am <laughs> right do you know that do I do not palmy? see <laughs> right. yeah yeah some years ago I went to a women's retreat we were living in Hawaii My husband was military, so we we did a couple of tours on Oahu and um, was on the North Shore with this group of women. And I'd kind of gone through part of the trial. I'll talk to you a little bit about that Mm -hmm. later. But this was just a kind of a profound thing that has stuck in my mind. for some reason, I got up early, which is crazy, because if you're away from your kids, you should be sleeping. You should be sleeping, yes. <laughs> but for some reason, I was up <laughs> before the sun. Never and- fails. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took a walk up the beach, and I was walking out, it was all by myself, and um, the night before, we'd had this awesome worship service, and one of the songs that was resonating in my Heart and Mind, and I was actually singing it to myself. Let's see if I can find. But it was the ocean's oh, working Beautiful Yeah. Yes. And so I'm walking up, trying to find it. Sorry, your page is turning. Um, I'm walking up the beach, and um, I'm just repeating that couple of verses from right. that, singing right. them again and again, kind of where I can hear them. Not a lot of people. but. <laughs> right. Spirit, lead me where Your trust is without borders. Mm-hmm. Let me walk upon the waters wherever You would call me. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of humming that and sing that, and I um, hit the spot in the sand where the beach got kind of um, small, <laughs> and there was some broken glass. So I turned around, and as soon as I turned around, across the water was about this three foot wide path wow. of light that went all the way across the bay and up the mountain to the top of the mountain where the sun was so it was a path to the sun right and I had just been singing the song quietly mm-hmm. you know like let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me mm-hmm. and I'm I sat there and I'm like oh my goodness he's Are calling you-? you to focus on him to look at him yeah, And I was thinking, well, I, at that moment, I'm like, are you really calling me to walk in the water? Yeah, right. Am I supposed to be right. stepping onto the water right, right. now? Am I like, really? <laughs> and I, and I, <laughs> and I, all those questions came to my mind, like, okay, what if somebody sees me? How stupid would I look mm-hmm. If I mm-hmm. stepped out there and I sank? you know, all those, those doubts, they come right. into your mind. And then I looked down and I kind of moved my foot around in the sand as those kind of thoughts flooded my mind, the what if, you know, do you really right. want me to do that? And right. I looked up. Is that and the, just me? Is that Right. Me? And I looked up and it was gone. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, it's like, you missed I, your opportunity. <laughs> that's exactly. And I'm like, "Had I missed my opportunity because of fear and right. doubt? Right. And I just continued back and a little bit farther down, another path came. Another sun ray came across the water, and it was like a second chance to trust him. Mm. But that whole thing about walking on the water, it reminded me of when Peter's like, Call me out there. <laughs> right. He's like, If it's you, Lord, yeah. If it's you, call me out there. And so he goes out, and then he takes his eyes off Christ, and he's like, Ah, <laughs> right. Well, and you notice it doesn't tell us how many steps he took or how far he got. But they couldn't see where they couldn't quite tell it was Jesus, which is so interesting about that, because they couldn't quite tell, which is why Peter calls out, if it is you, Lord, bid me come. And so Jesus says, come, that he gives one command, one word, come. And Peter gets out on the water. And it says that when Peter starts to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus's hand is right there. So either he had already made it pretty far off the boat, focusing on the Lord before he started to pay attention to his circumstances or Jesus just miraculously was there anyway. Either way, it's a miracle, you know? Oh, for sure. And just that thought has kept me in a lot of things where you can get so focused on the waves mm-hmm. that you forget who's above the waves. Right. And, and just thinking about the faithfulness of Christ through every situation that we go through. and as I thought about that and the desperation of this time that I felt that I needed to share some of the story of our family and the things that we have gone through the past seven or eight years mm-hmm. and just, the, you know, a background information that I don't want to just hop right into it because each person is valuable and right. each life story is valuable. Everything so matters. Yeah. Everything matters yeah so um it's kind of hard to get started on that but yeah yeah where do you even start you know exactly exactly with the magnitude of
1: (laughs) of the the past circumstances yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah. well I think that maybe you know if you would share just kind of how things started to change you know what 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 were the circumstances or what happened that it kind of shifted the situation from one to another and, and the, you know, the differences in your life yeah. compared to what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in um, 1990, well, let's see, I'll go back even farther than that. Um, in 1987 <laughs> I met my to be husband when I was at college. Um, his name's Todd. Todd and I met the first week of college at the dance under the sea <laughs> um he was talking to a couple of my friends when I walked up and he was tall dark and handsome he looked like Tom Cruise in Top Gun and um it was just this kind of magical time that I remember um we he glanced over at me and I smiled back at him and he asked me to dance um <laughs> to take your breath away um uh, oh, good by Berlin yeah and that's on that top you know that's on that movie two right <laughs> four years later we were married <laughs> and um he was an rtc when we met and he was commissioned four years later into the air force um yeah. much like top gun oh. <laughs> much like top gun he had a pilot <laughs> slot and everything um he just had that part and he was just so charismatic and so fun to be around just a great great guy that was just like hmm kind of larger than life right too but. good to be true <laughs> <laughs> just just a bunch just a bunch of fun and um we uh, married in 91 and we had our first kid in 98 and a, bo- a son and then two daughters and we lived the military life you know where you pick up and move kind of at the drop of the hat so we've moved mm-hmm. tons of places But something kind of big, there's a couple of kind of big things that happened Um, when he uh, lost that pilot slot because of budget cuts and all that. He was moved into intelligence and uh, he was a brilliant man, you know, just like so intelligent and just it it just fit him like he knew everything about every country and every leader. I mean, it was pretty crazy, but. That intel field started to play games. (laughs) And it it, um, ended up where he he was um, stationed in um, northern Turkey when the helicopter shoot downs happened. And he was supposed to be on one of those flights. And that was probably one of the first things that really affected His PTSD, because um, he survived and everybody else died. So he lived with that survivor guilt. He actually wrote a couple of things about that. um, That's kind of a concise way to read it. Uh, It says in March 94, I was deployed from my job as chief targets at the 20th Bomb Wing at Ellsworth, South Dakota to Encelik Air Force Base in eastern Turkey as part of the United Nations operations called Provide Comfort. Uh, OPC was established to protect the Kurdish people in northern Iraq from Saddam Hussein's genocide. I was assigned to the Combined Task Force Intelligence Staff as Chief of Intelligence Watch. When I chopped in, quote, quote, I replaced a young female Air Force officer by the name of Laura Piper. She and I were the same age and rank, and her fiancé, who worked with the F-15 unit, invited me to join them outside the gate for dinner and drinks to talk story and hang out during our changeover. It was a luxury we enjoyed deployed the U.S. Air Force Base in those days of relatively lax security prior to 9-11. Laura was quick-witted, charismatic, and professional to the core. She did a great job preparing me to take over as Intel chief, I assumed her duties the first week of April, and she went on leave. In a twist of fate, she was killed approximately 10.22 on on 14 April 1994 over Iraq in an Army Black Hawk helicopter. Wow. And he goes on, this is partly her story, but it's mostly mine now. Right. My story of how I survived. And there are a few things I remember as clearly as I remember the ceremony we held for our fallen. I can still see the flag-draped coffins. I can still remember standing next to another young officer in formation as we both wept openly. I can still hear the shots and the smell the cordite of the 21-gun salute. I remember that night after we buried the dead crying out to God in my dorm, why? I shouted, shaking my fist in the air. If there was a conversation, I imagine it went something like this. I just thought this was kind of powerful. Me, why did you let this happen? God, you're in a war zone. People get killed. Me, you could have stopped it. God, when Cain turned on Abel, I didn't stop it. Brothers mm-hmm. have been killing brothers for a long time, and it breaks my heart. Me, why did Laura Piper die and not me? God, silence. What do right. you do with silence? I think we've all been there. <laughs> exactly. There's a whole lot of other things that went on with that, just a whole bunch of betrayal, and, and, and just it, it doesn't even paint the picture. Right. Of what he experienced there, and then later on, probably a year or two after that, he had a um, pretty severe accident, and um, at that time, he broke his neck, but they didn't right. figure that out for mm, about ten years. So what is the story behind him? You know what what led to the to what your testimony is now, you know, how did it go from this happy, charismatic guy that, that ended up having some pretty permulous things happen and some pretty devastating things happen that made him start to question God? How did it go from that to being such a heavy, heavy, heavy testimony that your family has? Well, um, that starts there. But then it really kicks in after 9-11. He became part of elite groups and tracking down terrorists. And um, and at that time, when we're the war on terrorism, it's not a war against an unknown enemy really. At right. that level, it becomes where though they have to know the people personally. It, it just takes a toll on your heart. Right. And then as the wars progress and you become Responsible for many, many deaths Mm -hmm. and And betrayal. Carry out commands. Yeah, exactly. And in that profession, you everything's about security clearance, and you don't have the ability to talk to anybody, and everything is stuffed down. And so, after many years of that, it just really eats them up on the inside, right? And then when you combine that with fear and pain mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. regret, it just, it it just um, is not. Well, in your conscience, you know, and. Oh, yeah. most definitely. Most definitely. Hey, what's going on with your family? I mean, that, that could be hard in and of itself, even without having that kind of struggle in your life. Yeah. To <laughs> have to keep everything. secret. Sequ- exactly. Exactly. Oh. I guess I just, I can't do that whole part justice um right but I really felt like it's there was just parts of this I needed to share because I think with the time that we're at and and just the the world situation and Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that lots of people are feeling hopeless Mm -hmm. so there's a huge story in between here (laughs) but um I think there always is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's massive. But um, in December of 2016, he took his life. And um, it was not expected (laughs) whatsoever. But he was in immense physical pain and immense emotional pain. And when those two things come together, it can seem overwhelming. Right. It can make it feel hopeless. Yeah. But I really believe that God had a plan. And when I was thinking about um, that, those scriptures and, that we're talking about when the apostles or when the disciples were rowing. And, you right. Know, and the ninth they, hour, Jesus. Yeah. Came. Yeah. That they, yeah. they were like, how long is this going to go on? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the very last watch. Right. And they give up before the point of Jesus revelation to them, you know, right And I right. really feel like that that is what happened with Todd. and um, it breaks my heart and the um, it it's uh, yeah Oh no, a suicide doesn't just affect that one person. Because it causes great harm um, to all those around. Right. It's like the aftershocks of the earthquake. Exactly. There's still damage and still destruction for sometimes months and weeks and years. Right. I think it's something. I mean, as a loss, we, we lose people all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've lost, you know, people to cancer and accidents mm-hmm. and things like that. But this has a different feel. It's a yeah. it's a desperation kind of feel. It's a what if kind of feel. Um, and you're left with all these questions, you know, and, and I'm sure that those that get left behind, you know, experience guilt and trauma. And what if I would have done this or, you know, would it be different? if this, or what if he would have just waited another week? You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure that the, the questions in and of itself are hard enough and heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. So what message would you want to share with somebody now that may be facing this? Maybe they've lost somebody to suicide or maybe they themselves are contemplating taking it because they're they're taking their lives because they feel like there's no other option what message would you want to share with them now having the experience that you have I know this will sound funny but honestly it's a selfish decision yeah because you know, I truly believe he he believed that he was a burden, and that it was you know this was a, a gift to us, and that is absolutely not true in any right. way. It, right. it has left such a crater that you know it, it's going to be a wound for all of us yeah. for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. So I would say. That um, it's it's God works His way through these things, yeah. and it may seem desperate, but He will always give you Make a way, way out. Yeah, and you have to take your eyes off the waves mm-hmm. and focus, and on, the focus on the Lord. Lord, yeah. It's and that's not that life and situations aren't immensely painful, right? Um, but, but that God always makes a way. Yes. Well, and it yeah. says he, you know, he, he comes and delivers us from all our trouble Psalms, delivers us from all trouble. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to wait on him because his timing is not our timing. The scripture says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not ours and we won't understand them. You know, we keep, we wait for his answer to our prayers and sometimes we feel like he didn't answer and there was an answer in it whether we heard it or not and a lot of times when God moves it isn't our timing and we expect things to happen and they don't and we fall apart in our last hour when maybe he was just right there Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah Yeah. living can be brave (laughs) right (laughs) that's a good one yeah Yeah. Living, I think, is probably the bravest thing that we can do is to keep going. Mm -hmm. Even when things look like there's no hope. There's no hope. Because there's always hope. Exactly. Yeah. And that was very evident in this situation. There were so many times of God's revealing it. It was just incredible. But one of the last times I had taken him to the emergency room, we had met this wonderful doctor, and he had just moved heaven and earth to get into the specialists and to do, you know, all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff. And he called the day, you know, of his death, and and was like, "Okay, I'm going to see you guys." And he was like, "Devastated, I'm <laughs> sure." Devastated, you know. Yeah. There was so in my mind, there was already a way. And he just, you know, it was just, just couldn't hold on long just enough, hold on right. for the next day, you know, right? It, it's very tragic. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I know that you're working now and you're volunteering and helping other women that have gone through this. And you're seeing so many other circumstances come to play and come out of this and with the kids and with your life. And, you know, how could you comfort someone that may have just lost their husband? How could, what would you need? What did you need to hear that maybe you didn't hear? You know, I honestly think that almost the best thing you can do is I'm sorry. Right. And, I'm, you know, I'm here with you. Um, lots of the things that are painful are actually things people say that they think are comforting that are not. actually not comforting at all. Very familiar with you that. You know, and, you know, well, God needed another angel. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That does yeah, not help. Well, Please God don't say can, that to people. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, God can for- forgive anything. And I'm like, why would or you Or God knew that? what would happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're, that is... That is not comforting. No. (laughs) That is, it hurts. It really hurts. And so the best thing that you can do is just a hug. Be there. Or or just be there and not ask a bunch of questions. Right. Um, But also isn't important that I know that a lot of times when we're faced with situation like this and our loved ones are struggling and we don't quite know what to say and maybe we're looking kind of from the outside in and, but it's also not important not good for us to deny it, you know, to pretend like everything's fine and not ever talk about it, not ever address it and act like it's just this thing we need to shove under the rug and, you know, be there for them, but still not be so afraid to even talk about it. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, I think that's not, that's not healthy either. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That's, that's not healthy either. I think there is a great balance. Um, One of the, one of the kind of blessings of this is we have, since we're associated with the military, and Todd was um, active duty and um, just part of that community for a long time. There is an organization called TAPS, and they come beside they a group for survivors of people uh, who have died in the military—and yes. we were able to connect with them through the um, through the Air Force, and um, it is so. Comforting being around people who understand you, right? But I remember the first time I went there was just a couple of months after his death, and I was sitting beside another woman who had lost her husband the same way a couple of months earlier. Wow! And it was just the connection with us was immediate, and just the understanding was was there. So I think community is very important. Oh, yeah, but and I, to know you're not alone in it that there are other people that are experiencing this. You know that that it it wasn't just you and that other people understand what you're feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things, you know, we had this group sharing where you you talked about your person but one of the questions they asked was, "What is the funniest thing that you remember your person doing?" You know, <laughs> and just right. I I think that's a great important yes. No, it's because you need to it's... remember that. Yeah, exactly. So the whole whole point here is to remember the life and the love, and not the person. Yeah, exactly. And Not the devastation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think those are those are wonderful things. Um, At our memorial, we had a little box with a card you could write like your favorite memory and those and put them in the box. And those were hilarious for us to read. And they just um, were heartwarming and just uh, just how many people cared and how many lives that he interacted with and And impacted. Yeah, it was it was really encouraging. So I think those are wonderful ways to encourage the person and the family you right. know, around that loss is to share really good memories. And to also acknowledge the loss, you know, like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. A, a total life change for those people left behind. Right. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. I remember um, you had shared something that even in his trial, when things were kind of tough, that he had actually Uh, kind of made an effort or a a point to talk to people about God and that even while he was struggling and even while he was dealing with this, that he as a person was still drawn to lead people to Jesus. Yeah, that was amazing (laughs) during a lot of his um, time. It transformed him. It transformed him into kind of a softer person. Where he was a lot more intuitive and understood people, and right. would and would reach out to people that others would walk away from. Right, right. You know, um, I remember this time we had gone into a restaurant in Cali, <laughs> nonetheless, and there was this homeless man sitting outside uh, the door, and Todd just bent down next to him and put out his hand and said, "Hi, I'm this," and you know, is there anything you need? And can I pray for you? Right. And the guy was just <laughs> thinking back that he would, you know, that he would even, talk. He would that he would, yeah. per, you know, personalize it. Yeah, right. Right. And he, I mean, I can remember this as clear as day. He, he had prayed for him and he looked at him in the eyes and he said, you are not lost and right. you do not need to feel, um, uh, shame. And I forget the other thing he said, but um, it made an, a, a profound effect on this guy because we had seen him around quite a long time. And uh, I have the feeling he went back to his family. Wow. You know, Wow. It just. Well, okay. and we never know what seed we plant. You know, we exactly. never know. And the fact that even in times of struggle that he stepped out and still noticed other people and still helped and still tried to lead them to the Lord and still tried to comfort people just shows the character of person he was and and how much of an impact in this world that he made and you know it, it's definitely something that we want to remember the people that we love and what they did for others and and the person that they were Absolutely. so what what would you say what what's the one thing that you would want people to know about him, about who he was as a person? Um, I think that's some really great examples. I, he um, was definitely one who would give up anything for anybody. And it just became more and more clear um, that he signed up to give his life for his country Right. But then it became very personal with the people that he was around, Mm
1: -hmm. that he
0: saw an urgency to tell them about Jesus and hope and the future and joy, you know, and peace. And it was even in his pain, it was pretty amazing watching him and he had written some amazing things and and maybe a good way to kind of close this out. Um, is to read something that he wrote that's pretty powerful. Our church in Hawaii had um, a Good Friday service every year. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, it was kind of a solemn service, but it was really beautiful. And it was a time that um, our pastor, you know, asked a handful of people to um, reflect on the final words of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And each person took like one of his final words and reflected on that. And so I thought I would read that, that one that Todd wrote, which was pretty, pretty amazing. And just kind of speaks to the depth of his relationship with him. Right. So he wrote it on, it is finished. Hmm. Good one. It starts out, yeah. The best one. (laughs) The best best one. The work on the cross is a finished work, yes. Exactly. I heard him speak. I heard his last words. With a loud cry, Jesus shouted, it is finished. His head now hangs limply on his chest, bloody and torn. There is no more movement. His spirit is given to the Father. A Roman soldier approaches his cross. He thrusts his spear upwards, piercing his side, perhaps his very heart. Blood and water flow out freely. There is weeping amongst the crowd. People began to, to part. I stand in shock. Is he really gone? His body lifeless. It is unto, <laughs> unto Sema, the 11th hour, 3, mm-hmm. when the annual temple Passover sacrifice is given. The covenant, sacrifice for all time. It is finished once for all time. In the temple, a priest, bloody cup in hand, approaches the thick purple curtain trembling in a heartbeat it's torn rent from top to bottom like a thunderclap the holy of holies the ark its golden cherubim gleaming revealed there is stunned silence then chaos erupts the temple court men flee or fall to the ground in terror the blood of the paschal lamb is spilled in vain the blood of the lamb is already on the mercy seat we may now approach god's throne A new covenant, our sacrifice, priest and king finished it in obedience, humility and love. But the father is not finished, his grief not fully revealed. The sky darkens, thunder rolls, lightning flashes down. Rocks and boulders are blown apart right in front of our eyes. The sun disappears into blackness. The very ground I stand on shakes. There's no way to deny this God is God's doing. I fall to my knees in awe and praise. His power is like rushing water. Men fall to their faces. Graves on the hills below open. And the dead rise up. A a soldier cries out. Surely this was the Son of God. The Father's power was revealed for all to plainly see. There is no denial. There is no covering this up. Death is swallowed up. Satan is defeated. Our sins mm-hmm. are paid God's yeah. wrath and judgment it is finished. Jesus finished it. I think that's a great way to end this up. um I think that's also a great way to maybe even ask the people here that are listening if if they haven't yet received Jesus as their Lord and savior if if to them they didn't they'd never heard it that way before and what a powerful message to share and a way to share it in such a way that brings it to life to, to make it real to us as if we were there and experienced it I, I don't know yeah. if you would be willing to but if you would like to if there's anybody that would like to repeat a salvation prayer after you and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior that would be amazing way for us to to close this out absolutely Father we thank you yes. for your gift that you have given us through Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We pray, Father, for all of those that are searching mm-hmm. that they would repeat this, Lord. Please forgive my sins, Jesus. I believe that you died for my sins and that you conquered death. And for that reason. Lord. I have hope and a future, Lord. Thank you that you have done this for me. And that my sins were, were put on that cross. And that we are, when you bled out for us, when you bled out for me, that your saving power has now made me a child of the King. And I can come boldly before the throne in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing such a powerful testimony. If you had any final thoughts or final words that you feel like you need to share, what would they be? What specifically do you think he wanted? What message did he want to get across? What did he want you to share with everybody? Suicide doesn't affect just the one person. It causes great harm to all those around. It Mm -hmm. spreads like a tsunami wave, ripples through every crevice. The widely held cliche that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem may be somewhat true in some situations and circumstances, but at its heart, it communicates a callous disregard for the pain of each individual and those that love them. I guess we have to remember that our words hold power to build up and to tear down. Proverbs 15.4 says, Gentle words bring life and health, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 12:18 There is one whose rash words are like sword thr- thrust like the tongue of the wise but the tongue of the wise brings healing the most healing thing that you can do is to be present moms and dads and sisters and brothers daughters and sons husbands and wives and true friends don't want their loved one remembered by how they died but by how they lived What a powerful testimony and a powerful word to share for all of those that may be facing this situation. That whether they're feeling this way themselves or whether they've lost somebody to suicide, it's it's out there and sad to say it's increasing uh, because of the social isolation and the things that we're struggling with and and the way that society has become. If you're struggling with these things in the description below we'll post some resources for you. And I just want to know that if you need prayer or if you need anything, you can always send an email, support at call to be free And we will continue to pray for you because God has a plan for you. He's not finished with you. If you're still alive, God has a plan for you. There is more to come in your life and God's mercies and his grace and his miraculous powers are available to you. Don't give up.